21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Uh, Martin, I'm very happy to be here and I'd like to uh, basically uh, address something that I have seen over my many, many years, almost 30 years in the workforce, and especially the last 15 where I've been more involved with uh, leadership and the Agile movement. I'm actually beginning work on a book around this subject. The working title is going to be Under Siege because it is my firm belief that leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners, no matter what the size of the organization, no matter what the role of the leader is or their position in the organization, leaders today are under incredible pressure like never before. In the book I'm going to be identifying, I'm going to talk about that today. There are seven major forces that constitute the besieging army, if you will, uh, that, that are applying this pressure to leadership. So without further ado, I'm going to go into them. These are the things that I've seen, the things that I've experienced, the things that I've coached leaders on. Uh, things that I've seen leaders suffering from. And again, this is cross industry, no matter, no matter what the size, could be even soldier, uh, solopreneurs, it doesn't matter. The first force uh, that is exercising pressure on leadership today, this one is perhaps a bit more prevalent in large organizations, especially those that are publicly traded. That is short-termism, short-term thinking, being driven by quarterly results. Uh, Stephen Denning has done a lot of work in this area. He's talked a lot about this. And one of the things that he identified was the fact that we're still in an era of shareholder capitalism. And, and he's advocated uh, moving towards um, not only stakeholder capitalism, but customer capitalism. But the bottom line around this first force is that there is no time. There is no time for innovation. There is no time for reflection. There is no time to reach an inflection point and think properly about strategy. Everything is determined by stock price. Everything is determined by the needs and wants of shareholders. And this over the long term has proved incredibly unhealthy. Uh, it's led to one of the most toxic behaviors in, in, in corporations today, which is share buybacks. Again, something that Stephen Denning is very vocal about. Uh, so that one is that, again, uh, perhaps more relevant to larger organizations. But as I move around this track, my idea is that I want you know listeners to, to, to pay attention because I'm surely going to hit upon something that as a leader, you're going to know that you've been feeling something that you've been subjected to. So that's the first one, short-term thinking, quarterly results, and all the toxicity that that brings in to day-to-day uh, -day operations. The second one, the second one, and this applies to just about all leaders in all organizations, is you're working surrounded by outdated role models. Now, if we look to the field of vertical development that was started by you know, a long time ago, uh, thought leaders as like William Torbert, uh, um, 
uh, Bill Joyner, Suzanne Cook-Greuter, the idea of vertical development is that basically there's horizontal development, which is developing your skills, but vertical development is something that happens over time. And we go from being a conformist leader to an expert leader, an achiever leader, eventually a catalyst and transformative leader. All the studies that have been published around this area of knowledge, this area of social studies, indicate that only 10% of leaders today, under any sort of pressure, operate at a minimum level for modern challenges, and it's called the catalyst level. Everyone else operates under pressure. It's what is known as the achiever level. The take charge and take control, command and control, almost Tayloristic approach is still absolutely prevalent. And leaders, even young leaders who are in organizations today looking for role models will feel the pressure to act like the leaders that they are seeing today. And those leaders are exercising still today command and control as opposed to giving employees empowerment and something which I feel is far more important than empowerment, giving people agency, skin in the game, and thus unlocking and unleashing innovation, creative thinking, and discretionary effort. So outdated role models, leaders are surrounded by them. A third force, which is closely connected to the idea of outdated role models, is talent management, people management, and HR functions. They are completely overwhelmed and behind the times in terms of not only their development, but their procurement strategies for leadership development and training. 80%, and this is not a figure that I have an exact source for, but certainly what I've seen and many of my peers and colleagues have seen, approximately 80% of the training, 80% of the coaching, 80% of the support that is offered one way or another through development or procurement by HR or talent, talent people management uh, functions in organizations is geared toward this achiever command and control type leadership. You just have to look to the expression, high potential individuals. We're going to develop, we're going to seek out and, and develop high potential individuals. High potential individuals is toxic speak for someone young who is following the outdated models, who is clearly drinking the Kool-Aid and trying to you know, be that command and control, take charge leader. And we're going to take these leaders who are going down the wrong path, following the wrong model, and we're going to exacerbate that situation by giving them outdated training, which continues to feed this mill of Taylorism. Even MBA programs, most MBA programs are still caught in this today. You know, MBA schools are basically churning out these achiever leaders that are out there to command and control and take charge and, you know, no thought of empowerment or agency. So it is a, a disease that is absolutely everywhere. I said 80%. So yes, there are, I have come across and I've worked with as clients, HR, um, HR functions who got this. And actually, you know, I was privileged to be able to work with organizations where I could bring a different perspective and more on that later. So that is the third force, but very connected to the second force, which is outdated models 
being present in terms of leadership and talent management, pushing that even further. The fourth force, and this is one that I am intimately familiar with having worked in them for years, so-called agile transformations. These so-called agile transformations, uh, seven, uh, McKinsey has figures around this, 70% of them fail, uh, and for good reason. Uh, they're brought in from the outside, usually from large consultancies who bring in their army of consultants and staff augmentation, and usually a specific agile methodology, a process is brought in front and center and is rolled out or implemented. I've spoken about this in the past. I call it fake or galley agile. The problem with this, there are many problems. And one of the main problems with this is they mostly are based on a methodology, an agile methodology, which goes back 25 years called Scrum. So I call these agile Scrum formations. Where Scrum formations hurt leadership and put pressure on leaders is that the methodology called Scrum, or the approach called Scrum, or the philosophy called Scrum, explicitly goes out of its way to deny any role for leadership whatsoever by spreading out the work of leaders across the Scrum master role, quote unquote, which is a form of agile coach, more of a drive-by process imposer most of the time. Uh, the product owner, which is an impossible superwoman job or superman job, uh, which is product management and vision and championing management and you know content development all, all rolled into one. And some a, a blank entity called the team, which is everyone else. So uh, Scrum is at best quaint uh, in, in an era of DevOps and cloud and the need for modern leadership and imposing Scrum-based scaling approach there are four of these safe less nexus and scrum at scale they all share the basic dysfunction of scrum when it comes to putting pressure on leaders and in fact denying a role for leadership uh, in addition to the fact that it's a culture clash because it's brought in from the outside in addition to the fact that it is the celebration of mediocrity because they're bringing in the same solution to everyone, no matter what the context. So Agile Scrum, Agile Scrum Formations, another source of pressure. One that we've seen since the pandemic that is putting leaders under incredible pressure uh, is the RTO, the Return to Office Wars. I bring this one up now because the pandemic accelerated uh, realization on behalf of um, you know, workers and employees and knowledge workers, everyone realizing, wow, we were really, we were really not in a good place and uh, now we realize we don't have to travel four hours a day. Uh, the issue with the Return to Office Wars is that leaders feeling pressure to model outdated outdated ways of managing are absolutely going to wind up clashing with employees' desires when it comes to hybrid work. Because if you can't see someone at the office typing 
and you have a command and control outlook based on the fact that all your role models and the training you got and the MBA you got means you should be the one taking charge. Um, this is absolutely going to cause a clash. So that's a whole topic unto itself. Um, but definitely, you know, the post pandemic era, the RTO has unveiled yet another failing of these outdated role models. The sixth challenge, something that I have called, is something that I have called the silos steeplechase. Now, let me explain that one because it's, uh, it's a bit obscure language, but you'll get it when I explain it. Steeplechase, since 1902 or something like that, an Olympic, an Olympic track and field uh, um, event, 3,000, 2,000 meters. So 3,000 meters has 28 barriers, all the same height, and seven water barriers. The siloed organizational steeplechase is when we're running, we're trying to create value and we have to run through all the various control partners and stakeholders, be it compliance, governance, risk, uh, procurement, HR, finance, security, privacy, you name it. All the vertical functions within the enterprise that have their own ways of doing things and have their own expectations of how a product or a service can be delivered to clients, they force any project or any value stream or any product in the sense of a long live stream of value. They will force any of these endeavors to jump through the, jump through the hedges, jump through the steeples. The problem with the silo steeplechase, unlike the Olympic sport where there are 28 barriers the same size and seven water obstacles, which are ankle deep, the organizational steeplechase features barriers where you don't know how many there are, you don't know the distance between them, some of them are six inches high or two inches high. You can't even see them. You can only stub and fall. Some of them are 12 feet tall. Some of the water features are eight feet deep, and this is constantly changing, right? So the fatal flaw in value streams that everyone's talking about these days, no one is, no one is addressing the fact that they are absolutely a steeplechase, a steeplechase designed by someone <laughs> with a very, you know, warped sense of humor, because, you know, there is no way that you, you don't even know what the course looks like. It only reveals itself as you trip and fall and run into a 12 foot steeple that you have to walk around or find a way around. So without a unity of purpose within the organization that only the top leadership can create, the splintering of interests, these silos create this steeplechase um, and it completely upends any idea of, of value streams, value streams. Value streams also, by the way, just as a sub subject of the steeplechase, value streams are also flawed in the sense that even from a technology perspective, they're going to run into platforms that, you know, IT platforms, infrastructure and so on. Um, there is nothing so challenged as the value stream today. There's nothing so challenged as the idea of having a long live product and the setup of almost every organization. It is almost impossible to do this properly. When you combine that with the other challenges we see, uh, it's a wonder anything gets done. And uh, the fact that things do get done are a testament to the grit and determination of 
some leaders and you know the folks doing the work on the shop floor. The final and seventh impediment or you know surrounding army are these so-called digital transformations so these so-called digital transformations are all actually also connected to this silos steeplechase because they are the driving force be behind the steeples changing and changing size and moving and and uh, and the distance between them uh, changing because these digital transformations are usually undertaken without an overarching unity of vision so everyone is trying to automate their little bit of what they can but in my experience most of these digital transformations also are running into trouble constantly because again there's no real sense of vision that can be applied to this because top leadership is struggling with the short term uh, the functional leaders are, are, are struggling with their own silos. Uh, the value streams are struggling with hitting the steeplechase. Um, so all of this combined, um, it is very difficult um, to be an effective leader today. It takes incredible courage. It takes, um, it just is a very, very daunting task. At Agile Leader Academy, having seen this, my, my business partner and I and some of our collaborators, we have for many years now basically been elaborating how do we, what can we offer? How can we put our experience and bring our empathy into play to help people, help leaders who find themselves faced with all these these incredible challenges? How do we break the siege? Well, this is how we feel we can break the siege. Uh, the first ingredient is just enough education for leaders to be able to see that there is another way just enough education around things like vertical development and emotional intelligence and models like ikigai and um you know six sources of influence just there are all kinds of models that we use depending on the situation, depending on the leader, depending on the context where we can provide just enough education to start the thought process. Training does not create a change in and of itself. It creates awareness which needs to be acted upon. With the training, we also offer actual professional coaching, not agile coaching. Right? Agile coaching is a separate thing. And to my mind, it never should have had the word coaching around it. And I'm guilty in the past of having, you know, uh, seen myself as an agile coach, but it is, it is process mentoring. It's not that. So true professional coaching, according to the ICF. Uh, and that is the ultimate, when you have enough education and under, understand your situation, the coaching then comes in. And what we try to do with the coaching is give people a sense, give leaders a sense of what their options are in a given situation. And to be frank, sometimes 
you know, the situation may be such that the coaching will lead to a decision. And we've seen this will lead to a decision for leaders to leave their current situation. That is one of the outcomes. I'm not saying it's the only one, but we also can help them in finding and applying ways that they can, even within their own purview, within their limited remit, within their organizations can still make a difference. Even if they're the only one, you can still make a difference if you're the only one, but you have to have certain, just enough education and have the confidence instilled that, that coaching can, can provide in order to, uh, in order to be able to make that difference. And obviously because we've been at it so long, I mean, I've been in the, I've been in this space for, you know, decades. Sometimes coaching isn't enough. Sometimes you get a client, coaching assumes that the client knows the solution, but sometimes we'll come across individuals, leaders who just don't know. And in that case, we won't withhold advising or consulting services, but never with a view to stay long, never with a view to embed ourselves in the organization, never with a view to staff augmentation. We don't do any of that. The first thought that I have when engaged with a new client is how fast can I stop engaging with this client? That sounds weird. But what it means is that my goal is to leave an autonomous, aware, and self-guiding individual in my wake, not someone who is dependent on, on my services any a minute longer than they have to. So really, it's about how do we create autonomy and how do we give these people, our, our clients, purpose. And basically, what we want is create leaders who can break out of the state of siege who can contribute to their organizations thriving, and they themselves thriving in their careers and in their lives. And if that's the output, the outcome that we can achieve with the, with the smallest possible time and expense footprint that we can, uh, that's what we, that's what we aim to do. get in touch with me on LinkedIn, Daniel Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N. I have a very good service level agreement on LinkedIn. I respond very, very quickly. AgileLeader.academy is our website. Um, but coming back to LinkedIn and about the book, I'm actually looking right now for true stories. If you have felt recognize yourself or recognize your story in any of these uh, sort of the challenges uh, that, that I outlined earlier, the seven forces that are besieging today's leaders. If you have a story around that, I would love to hear it, maybe incorporate it into the book. Obviously, it would be completely anonymous. You would, you know, I would not name you, but uh, I would really appreciate if you, uh, if you had a story around these seven things. Uh, love to hear it. Love to hear from you. Just message me on LinkedIn or email me at daniel at agileleader dot academy and uh, might see your story um, might, maybe your story could be shared and, and help someone eventually down the road who is facing a similar challenge yeah. 21st century entrepreneurship with martin piskarik
Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast, a gold awarded journey hosted by Martin Piskorik, connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Join our exclusive community, elevate your perspective, and embark on the path to success.